Hey, everybody. Welcome to the World Harvest Church Podcast. We pray that this message blesses you, inspires you, and more than anything, helps you grow in your relationship with Jesus. For more information and resources, please visit us at worldharvestusa.com. God is good. God is good. God is good. Uh, yeah. So I'm just shifting gears here just a little. Just give me a minute. Yeah. That's good. That's good. All right. So I want to t- you to turn your Bibles, if you would. I'd like you to go to Proverbs 13, 12. Proverbs 13, 12. What's coming up in a, in a week or so? What? Deer hunting, that's right. Thanksgiving is coming up. Thanksgiving and deer hunting. I like to deer hunt. Uh, have you guys seen the stand that I hunt in? Oh, I tell you, God is good. God is good. God is good. It's about 12, 14 feet up in the air, and uh, it's plastic. It's got uh, smoked windows in it, insulated. We've got a heater. Oh, yeah. And, uh, yeah. Yeah. It, it was hard to fit the big screen TV in there, but we got it in there. That's right. That, that massaging chair, that was, that was pretty heavy, but we got it up there. That's right. That's right. All right. You know, he's been faithful. Man, he has been faithful. Say God is faithful. faithful. I I think sometimes we just don't believe that. Um, I think we want to believe that, but we can get into negativity. Anyone here ever been negative? Yeah? If if you know someone negative, just point at them right now. Just just we're gonna pray for them. <laughs> uh, negativity has no good fruit. I do a lot of counseling with couples and even people that you know struggling on their job, whatever. And uh, one of the things I've found through the years. It's, uh, is, is uh, negativity can creep into a person's life and really deform their worldview. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Negativity can, can kind of come in. It's like, a, it's like a worm in an apple, you know? How many would like to eat that apple? That's right. But it can get inside of you, that, that thing of negativity, and it just drains your life. Negativity. How many want to pray and ask God to fill you with negativity? But we think that somehow that negativity can actually take us somewhere. 
And then we want to we share our negativity with others and, and create a group or a crowd. Uh, uh, you know, we want to we flow together. Birds of a feather flock together, you know. I used to work in a factory years ago, and, and uh, the break room was such a positive area. <laughs> they're in there. I go in there one day, and they're in there. They're blessing. You know, they're praying, oh, Lord, bless the manager. <laughs> bless the owner. I'm glad that he's so extremely wealthy, and we are just peasants. But bless him, oh, God. If he sold just one of his collector cars, he could pay for my, yeah, anyways. Negativity. How many have ever been negative? It pays no dividends. It's nothing. It's, it's, it is so negative. Yeah, that's good. Wow. Negative. Negativity. It's, negativity is the absence of faith. Sometimes when people become negative, it's because they have lost faith. When you begin to inject faith into someone, they lose their negativity. So it's not always that they're just negative. Sometimes, again, it is that they have lost faith. So the answer isn't to scold them, you know, for being negative. Sometimes the answer is, is to begin to inject faith into that person again. Put them on the life support system. You know, during COVID, they'd put them on ventilators. Sometimes we need an infusion of faith again to get out of negativity. Yeah, God is good. Proverbs 13, 12, it says this. It says, hope deferred makes the heart sick, but when the desire comes, it is a tree of life. I, I want to repeat this again, because this group is, you know, this is the faith-filled group over here. And <laughs> hope deferred makes the heart sick, but when the desire comes, it is a tree of life of life. When the desire comes, in other words, when you begin to get an infusion of faith in you, you start to see it before it even happens. Amen? Amen. You start to get a glimpse of that thing and the heart begins to pick up again. We need an infusion of faith again. All right. Hope deferred makes the heart sick. Why are we depressed, sad, upset, negative, negative Nelly? We've lost faith. I, I, I love messing with people when they come and they're like, oh, life sucks, this sucks, that's everything, you know, terrible. Oh, I have a family curse. That's my favorite. The Bible will work for everyone else but me. I know it's going to work for Pastor Abby and Pastor Jake. But oh. Oh. 
Let's try that over here. Oh! <laughs> Hope deferred makes the heart sick. Have you known anyone in this time and day? Have you known anyone in your area that has a sick heart? But when the desire comes, it's a tree of life. You get around people of faith. You get around people that know God. You get around people that have seen God answer prayers, raise the dead, provide when there was no way that provision could come. When you get around people like that, they make you nervous. They challenge your, your worldview. The negative Nancy, oh, wait a minute. How many know that God is alive and well? Amen. Amen. He still raises the dead. I've shared some fun stories with you through the years. Um, but stories do something. It's like the paddles when someone had a heart attack and they put the, the paddles on their heart and they give them a shock and all of a sudden, life begins to come back inside, and the heart begins to beat again. That's the power of a testimony. That's the power of a testimony. We need to have an infusion of faith in this country. Amen? I remember one time I was in a season of seeking the Lord, and I've shared this before but we need to know the reality of God, that every promise in the Bible is true and is for me. Every promise. Every promise in the Bible is for me. Well, you don't know my situation. And I, and I sympathize and I empathize with people that go through valleys. I get it. But the battle isn't so much to get them money or to help them in a situation by doing something I can do. It's to infuse some faith in them so they can raise up out of the mud themselves. Amen? And they take that testimony and they begin to help others come up out of the mud themselves. Hope deferred makes the heart sick, but when the desire comes, it is a tree of what? How many want to be filled with life today? I'd like you to turn to 2 Corinthians 2.14. This is the Amplified Bible. We're going to go through some word today. You guys ready? 2 Corinthians 2.14. It says, but thanks be to God who in Christ always leads us to triumph. Okay, thanks be to God, who in Christ always leads us in to triumph. I I don't know if you're getting this. Thanks be to God, who in Christ always, here's another translation, leads me into victory. When I look out in the future, I refuse to look at gloom, doom, despair, emptiness, poverty. No way. 
God leads me into triumph. What does tomorrow look like? It looks better than today, I'll tell you that. What does my marriage look like tomorrow? I'll tell you what, God is in my life. He's fulfilling the scriptures. He's going to take me from glory to glory. I am the head, not the tail. Some people will argue and they'll fight with you to try to prove the point that they're cursed. I'm like, well, then let's give this curse to Jesus. Let's break that thing. What does the Bible say about a curse? The Bible says, cursed is he who hung upon the tree. He took my curses. I don't want that anymore. I'm going to take that off. Jesus, the Bible says that I can give you this so I can take your freedom. Amen? I can take liberty, righteousness, blessing. Isaiah 54, 17. Go there if you would quick. We're going to go through a number of these. I'm trying to set a, a platform here, build a foundation. Isaiah 54, 17. But no weapon that is formed against you shall prosper, and every tongue that shall raise against you in judgment, uh, you shall to be rise against you in judgment, you shall show to be in the wrong. I've been through a few of these battles. Isaiah 54, 17, but no weapon that is formed against you shall prosper, and every tongue that shall raise against you in judgment, you shall show to be in the wrong. Who's fighting with you and for you? That's right. The Lord is with me. Is the Lord with you? Whew. Say, the Lord, the Lord is with me. I'm going to move from glory to glory. I'm going to move from glory to glory. I'm going to move from glory to glory. Thanks be to God. Let's go to the book of Luke, chapter 9. Luke 9. This is the story of the feeding of the 5,000. Luke 9. <laughs> I want to be a tree of life. So when people spend time with me, they feel better. They're encouraged. They have a, a faith infusion. I think our cell leaders do a wonderful job at that. They bring, they inspire, they bring that, that faith infusion. They bring hope, and it encourages the heart. I think uh, Bill Johnson said this, he who offers the most hope, how does that go? Has, he who offers the most hope has the most influence. My hope is not 
based on the government. I want a good government. The Bible says when the righteous reign, when the righteous rule, the people rejoice. When wickedness rules, the people groan. I don't want that. I want, I want a good government. But there's some real freedom when we have a revelation of God, when we have a revelation of faith in God. There's something that happens on the inside. Something births on the inside when you have faith in God because then it's not about circumstances. I didn't get this job. I didn't get that, uh, that position. It becomes uh, an, an all-encompassing faith. It, 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 it surrounds everything I do. So if I don't get my dream job, I know with all my heart that God's going to come through in a better way somewhere else. It's an inner knowing, an inner confidence, knowing that God is with me and God is working for my well-being. Luke 9, verse 12. This is when he fed the 5,000. Here it is, a, a situation where he had been out teaching. He has thousands of people out there. If you could imagine at that time, uh, there was no outhouses. There was no, uh, you know, uh, delivery service. What's that? <laughs> That's right. Provision was lacking at this meeting. And I know no one here has ever lacked provision in any way. But he's using this example here to do something. He's using this example to teach the multitude that God is able. So he takes an extreme situation he has all these people, and he has them spread out, and they're sitting out there, thousands and thousands of people, and Jesus is kind of messing with them a little bit. Jesus isn't lacking faith at all. He can turn the stones into bread. How is God going to help me in my situation? I don't know, but he is going to. That's faith. It's such a fun example. There they're sitting there. There's no way he can feed them. And then how do you even dis distribute massive amounts of foods? How do you do this? So he says, hey, you know, go see if you can find some food. And uh, they said, well, we don't have enough to, to buy enough food for all these people. And it's a long journey if we were going to do that. We probably should have planned ahead. Jesus is smiling. He says, go see what you can find. Now, this is so ridiculous. If, you, if, if we did that today, you'd think I'm insane. We're going to have a big old conference. We're going to feed everyone. And then you come to me and you say, well, when's the delivery coming? Well, we're not having one. Well, you said you're going to feed all these people. Well, we are. Go see what you can find. Well, we found a Subway sandwich. There's an order of fries. Jesus takes the most complicated situation and then takes 
this simplistic uh, uh, thing of just finding some fish and some bread. He does this because he's going to leave the planet and he has to infuse some faith into his leaders. And he goes back to this example over and over. Uh, another time he was in the boat and he goes back and he says, don't you remember? Didn't we just feed the multitude? The Bible says, why, you know, why worry? Why be filled with anxiety? Consider the lilies. Consider the sparrows. Consider these. And it makes perfect sense when you're infused with faith. It makes no sense at all when you have no faith. So he takes the loaves, the bread, and it's interesting what he does here. He does this as an example to feed them. That's good because he's a good papa. But also to open up faith that God can provide. And they bring him the loaves and the fish, and he simply does one thing. He lifts it up to the Lord, and he gives thanks. Thanksgiving is a sign of mature faith. Thanksgiving is a sign of mature faith. You know, there was a season that we didn't really pray over our food. And, uh, you know, it was kind of a, it almost became such a tradition. Then the Lord began to deal with me. And he said, okay, you've broken that thing. Let's get back to why People pray over their food. It's because it's a heart of thanksgiving. Thank you, Father, for providing this food. Thank you, Father, for providing these brats. Hallelujah. And then the angels begin to sing. He gave thanks, and then the miracle broke out. He began to multiply it. Some say it was in the hands of Jesus. He multiplied it, and then it began to multiply in the hands of the disciples. We don't know. It, it's not clear. But whatever, regardless, there was a miracle of God that happened through a heart of thanksgiving. A heart of thanksgiving knows that God has your well-being in mind. A heart of thanksgiving knows that God has your well-being in mind. Just say amen. amen. Come on, it's quiet in this Baptist church. <laughs> this Presbyterian church, I don't know. It's not a library. Uh, let's go to Matthew 26, 17 through 30. Matthew 26. You guys okay? Whew. It's so easy to buy into negativity. It's so easy. Negativity. You start eating of that apple, and pretty soon it begins to come inside of you. And pretty soon it begins to take up residence, negativity. And then you're like, oh, you're starting to feel anxious because of this activity, 
this negativity. You're starting to feel anxious. Well, then we need to medicate. I need to medicate now because of my negativity and my anxiety, so I'm going to medicate that thing. Oh, life is bad. I need to medicate it. Right? Or we can get rid of it, repent of it, and say, God, forgive me. I don't need this thing. God's promises are true. I have faith in Almighty God. God is going to take care of my children. God is going to take care of my home. My debts will be paid off. I don't know how, but he's going to bless my life. I like this old saying. We used to say this in Bible college years ago. Impossibilities become challenges. When I have faith in my heart, impossibilities become challenges. It's no longer impossible. Now it's just a challenge. God's got to figure it out somehow. And if I will listen, and if I will draw near, he'll give me the path. He'll give me the way out. I guarantee you, all the time. All right, here's the Last Supper, Matthew 26, 17 through 30. Okay, 17. It's interesting, Jesus is going to be facing the cross here, and he is getting foresight into his future, and it's not pretty. It's not pretty. We look at what Jesus is going to go through, the suffering, the agony. He's going to be arrested. He's going to be humiliated. He's going to be spit upon. He's going to be whipped. He's going to be beaten. You know, we can't even imagine. If you had a glimpse of that and then had to face that, what would, what would happen in your heart? But here's the beautiful thing. Jesus knew he's God in the flesh. He's a man, but he's God. He knew the faithfulness of God. He was confident. He looked through the gloom to look at the glory. He looked through the gloom, and he looked to the glory. I'm going to go through the cross, and then I'm going to be glorified and elevated. The proper perspective will take you out of the mud. He sees what's coming. And it's interesting. Here it is, the Lord's Supper. And the Bible says, he's given an example. He says, take this bread. It's my body that's going to be broken. See, he's having a four. He's seeing what's happened, what's going to come. And then he says, take the cup. It's going to be a symbol of my blood. But before he hands it out, He does something again. He lifts it up, and the Bible says he gives thanks. How can you give thanks when you know you're going to suffer and go through things? Because suffering isn't the end. It was just the valley in between breakthroughs. I don't know why I'm going through this thing. But I know when I come out of this thing, I'm going to be better than ever. I remember a few weeks ago, the Lord told me, he said very plainly, he said, I want you to read the last two chapters in the book of Job. And I thought, well, I don't like the book of Job too much. 
you know, suffering. All his friends are mad. His wife is mad. There he is all alone. He's got boils all over. Wow, that's a great book. <laughs> you know, it's the book of suffering. Kind of. But he goes through that valley. He maintains his faith with God. He made some mistakes, but he maintained his faith with God. And his battle was only about nine months, which is a terrible nine months. I hate those battles. I've been through battles. All of you have been through battles, but you're still here. Amen? Amen. And then the, 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 in, in the, the last chapter there, it says the Lord comes and he speaks and he brings some clarity. And he says, well, where were you when I put the stars in the heavens? Where were you? when I created everything. Where were you? And he begins to paint this picture that I'm just a, a mere man and God truly is an awesome creator, an awesome God, a God that loves us. Amen? He builds this picture and then he restores Job way, 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 way beyond his dreams. Now, was it worth it to him to go through that? Suffering is never enjoyable. Never enjoyable. I hate pat answers. You ever go through a hard thing and somebody gives you a pat answer? You know, you lose a loved one. Well, God needed an angel. It's like, oh, shut up. You know what you do when someone loses a loved one? You weep with them. You hold their hand. You hug them. You just sit there in the quiet with them as they grieve. Don't give them a pat answer. But we have to see that in life, just like in Job's case, there was a valley, and we don't understand all the time why we go through things. I wish we did. I know that there is, there is a powerful God, there's a demonic devil, and we live in a real world. And we live in a world where People, evil people, make bad decisions that affect us. But the Bible is clear that if I can hold on to faith, he'll take me out of that valley, and he himself will bring restoration. He himself will bring blessing. Amen? All right. You guys okay? So we have the feeding the 5,000, the Lord's Supper. He lifts it up. He gives thanks for that thing. Why? Because he could see past the gloom. Amen? All right. Here's another one. This is in John 11. I'd like you to go in your Bibles to John 11. John 11. I'd like you to say this. I'm going to win my fight. I remember when I was in wrestling... I used to love to wrestle. I, I hated, I, basketball was great. I loved basketball too. But I could practice all week. And then if the coach didn't like me or something, he wouldn't put me in. But wrestling was up to me. If I could beat everyone in my weight class, I'd get to wrestle varsity. I like that. We can wrestle through these things if we have faith, amen? So one of the things that our coach used to have us do is before the match, 
we would sit in a room and we would have to visualize the match in our mind. What was the first thing we were going to do when the whistle blew? Then what is the next thing I'm going to do? And then how am I going to pin him at the end? He wanted us to experience the match before we entered, before we walked down the mat. And I remember thinking when I first started wrestling, this guy's nuts. You know, how do I know that that's what's going to happen? But what happened was it put a game plan inside of us, and when they blew the whistle, just like that, we didn't have to decide what we were going to do. We already had it in play. We would t do the takedown, we'd flip them over, we'd pin them because it was already in the heart. What's your game plan? It's almost too late when you're facing the, 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 the time of devastation when you don't have a game plan. We need to have some truth in us first so when we approach darkness, it just naturally comes out. Just say amen. amen. All right. Raising Lazarus from the dead. Uh, John 11, uh, 1 through 44, such a great story. Uh, here it is. Jesus is uh, going off with his disciples. Word comes to him that Lazarus is sick and is ready to die. And Jesus takes more time to go, instead of just running back, to see Lazarus, praying for him. Here's, here's the picture this is kind of a picture that we can put ourselves in. Uh, in, in, in la, la, la. I feel like I'm hurrying. Let me slow down. He's out in California today, out in Bethel. So our son Bobby's out there, so I think they're having fun. But um, now I lost my train of thought. Lazarus. Mary comes, Lazarus is going to die. Or they send word, Lazarus is going to die. Jesus starts doing some other things, and he's like wasting time. And he says, our, our brother Lazarus is sleeping. He's not sleeping, he's dead. And it says something interesting here in verse 15, if you would look there. John 11, verse 15 I like this. Sometimes you can read a story 15 times and all of a sudden something jumps out at you that you haven't seen before. It says, his disciples, am I on the right one? Oh, there it goes, 11.15. Here it is. And I am glad for your sakes that I was not there, that you may believe. Nevertheless, let us go to him. So in the scripture right before that, um, it says, then Jesus said to them plainly, Lazarus is dead. So in other words, he's taking his time. He's not doing what we would think God should do at that moment. Here's a terrible situation, and it appears that Jesus is not doing what he's supposed to be doing if he's going to answer my prayer. 
You ever been there? You know, you need money to pay your bill and you don't know what to do and you're praying and you're calling out to the Lord and, oh God! And then you get a, you know, someone drops something off and you, oh, it's a little envelope and you rip it open, you know it's going to be the answer to prayer and then it's an eviction notice. (laughs) You're like, oh God! It just got worse! This is the situation here. He should have like, you know, ran back and prayed for him. But now he says, Lazarus is dead. He was waiting for him to die. Sometimes I've felt that. Have you? Okay, he's dead. The bill is like going to be past due. You ever been there? He's dead. Oh, yeah. Here we go. But this is so good. Lazarus is dead, and I am glad for your sakes that I was not there. (laughs) I don't know if you're seeing this. It's like Jesus is enjoying the tension. They're believing Lazarus dies, and Jesus is like still dragging his feet. And he's saying, I'm glad for your sakes that I was not there. And they're like, well, how can this be a good thing? Do you guys hear this? How can this, you're praying for a daughter or a son and you, you don't know how God's going to help them and you don't know what, to, you've given up all hope and now you're angry and you're drinking a cocktail. And God's like, I'm doing this for your good. What? I'm not saying he, he does evil things. But he can use that to teach us dynamic faith. Amen? This is the power of thanksgiving. Now, it's interesting. So he builds the tension. You know, it looks like all hope is over. It's all gone. It's lost. And he builds the tension. And his disciples are like, I know he's the son of God, but some of this stuff he teaches is pretty wacko until it happens. You know, hey, we need to pay our bills. Peter, go catch a fish. (laughs) Right. He catches a fish, he slaps it on his hand, and a coin rolls out, and he's like, okay, I'm not telling anyone this one. All right. So let's go down to verse 41. Verse 41. Verse 41, it says here, it says, then they took away the stone. So now he went back to where Lazarus is buried. Uh, The family is very angry with him because God just doesn't know what he's doing. You ever been there? You ever been frustrated? The family was frustrated with him. They seen him raise the dead. They seen him 
They've seen him do miracles and all that, but for some reason they didn't connect. That when Jesus comes on the scene, anything is possible. So they lost hope. Their heart was in a dark place. Satan wants you to bite, bite into that apple. He wants you to bite into hopelessness, into despair. He wants you to bite into negativity. His desire is to neutralize your faith through negativity. I can't trust anymore. I can't hope anymore. I can't believe anymore. So you just exist. But God wants to infuse us with faith. Thanksgiving is a sign of mature faith. Okay, verse 41. And they took away the stone from the place where the dead man was laying. And Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, now watch this. This is so good. I thank you that you heard me. When you're in a dark valley, it seems like there's no hope, no light, nothing. But Jesus is looking at this, this uh, complete, uh, you know, it, it, there's no hope here. He's dead. Uh, everything is dark. Jesus comes in. He's looking at this, and he says this, Lord, I thank you that you always hear me. Watch this now. They take away the stone. He lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. And I know that you always hear me, but because of the people who are standing by, I said this, that they might, what? Believe that you sent me. Now, when he had said this, these things, he cried with a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth. And the Bible says he came forth. He didn't even stink. He came forth and they, they had to unwind him and, and free him from the, the grave clothes. Lord, I thank you that you always hear me. I want you to be infused with faith that when you're in your lowest time and you, you pray the simplest whisper unto the Lord, the Lord's ear is right there and he has heard you. Lazarus, come forth. God's bringing a breakthrough, amen? amen. Whew. All right. I want to give you in one minute some things that Thanksgiving does. Number one, it pleases the Lord. Bless the Lord at all times. Always be thankful. Always rejoice in Him. It brings great joy to the Lord when people are thankful. Isaiah 6, 4. Well, okay, number two. Thanksgiving and praise releases, uh, reflects our gratitude. Thanksgiving and praise reflects our gratitude. Number three, thanksgiving and praise releases faith and opens the supernatural. How many need the supernatural open in your life? It begins with thanksgiving unto the Lord. Go through these stories and then declare the same God 
that raised Lazarus, the same God is going to restore my situation. He's going to do it. He's going to pay the bill. I, I could tell you stories that would, that, that, that they're super fun. I don't have time, but times when people couldn't pay the bills and they called and they said, uh, they said, you know, we, I don't know what to do. We're going to get kicked out of our house if we don't, if we don't have a breakthrough. And sometimes we help them financially and sometimes the Lord will say, no, I'm trying to heal their faith. So I'll pray with them and I'll say, I want you to take one day and I want, to, want you to see what God's going to happen in one day. And by the end of the day, someone gave them money to pay their bill. I was doing lawn uh, with my kids one time, and someone had a, a $400 bill. And they called me. I went over there. I talked to them. And uh, I said, the Lord has told me very specifically, I'm not, this time, I'm not supposed to give uh, towards that bill, but God's going to teach you faith. We got done mowing the lawn. The lady said, hey, I just re received an inheritance. I want to give $400 to someone in need. Now, I just prayed with the other lady. I said, hey, leave the name blank and put, fill out the check. I got done. We drove over and we handed it to her. We said, now, how's your faith? It's the very amount she needed. We need to have a heart of thanksgiving. God is going to come through. God is going to supply. God is going to provide. God is going to be there. And it's not just hopeful thinking. It's like an internal thing that begins to turn on. That when the storms come and the sea rage, rages, I have faith for whatever I need. Oh, yeah. All right. Thanksgiving releases the kingdom, releases a kingdom invasion. The Bible says, when I praise and worship the Lord, he inhabits those praises. So if I'm feeling empty and dry, I need, to, I need to get away in a room, put on some worship, and praise and worship until he invades the room. It starts with thanksgiving. Say thanksgiving. Thanksgiving, thanksgiving and praise releases authority to trample the devil. Number six, thanksgiving and praise releases God's power and provision. Number seven, praise. Oh, I misspoke. Number seven, praise in, invites his presence. Praise invites his presence. As we spend time with him, praise and thanksgiving begins to bring his presence. He inhabits the praises of his people. So, Let's repent of any negativity, amen? Negativity will never take me to any place good. And it can become a pattern in a lifestyle. But God wants to give us an infusion of faith. Just say, Lord, I need. Lord, I need an infusion of faith. Let my life be a tree of life. Thank you, Lord. Isn't God good? So I want to challenge you in conclusion. I want to challenge you for the next three weeks. How many weeks? Three weeks. Until the end of November. 
I want to challenge you to join with me in a negativity fast. <laughs> to be thankful. You ready? No grumbling or negative talk. Speaking words of hope and faith in those around you. And releasing encouragement. What, what would a marriage look like if that's what was flowing? It'd be pretty good, right? Or the workplace. Or your cell group. All right. We're going to do a negativity fast. Being thankful. No grumbling. No negative talk. We're going to speak words of faith and hope. And we're going to encourage those around us. Can you do that with me? Just three weeks. Then you can be all the, you know, negative all you want, you know. <laughs> Just, you know, make up for it. It's like after you fast, then you eat all the Twinkies, you know. <laughs> we, when we were in wrestling, we, we you know, practically starve ourselves. And then um, right before the match, you could just eat anything you wanted after weigh-in. So, yeah, that wasn't the, the best idea. <laughs> yeah, they needed some buckets in that locker room, so... All right. Hope deferred makes the heart sick. But what? What's that? Well, but when a desire is fulfilled, it's a tree of life. God wants us to be a faith-infused people, that we become a tree of life wherever we go. Amen? Thank you for listening to our podcast today. Be sure to subscribe to our channel so you don't miss any new messages. To learn more or to get connected with us, please visit us at worldharvestusa.com. God bless you all, and we'll see you next time.